Hey everyone, I wanted to get on and quickly apologize for not putting out an episode last Tuesday. Um, I had one scheduled and then the plans changed and I wasn't able to get the guest uh, or I rescheduled with the guest, I should say, and I wasn't ready with a backup and so I just didn't have a podcast ready. Um, so I apologize. I will always do my best to get one out every Tuesday morning. Occasionally this will happen. Hopefully you will forgive me. Um, and luckily today we have a great show with Zach from Dirty Lemon. Um, but uh, I'll try to be better prepared. I'll try to have a, a bigger log of episodes ready. Anyways, I love you all. I truly appreciate you listening. And have a great end of spring, beginning of summer. Is it summer? It's almost summer. Let's enjoy your summer. Love you all. Don't start a business unless you're willing to lose everything in the process. And I feel like truly lose everything. Welcome, everybody, to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I'm a venture capitalist at Draper Associates. But on this show, we're going to be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we have Zach Normandin, founder and CEO of Dirty Lemon. Zach teaches us about his unique distribution channel and the functional beverage market. So today on the show, we have an awesome guest, uh, Zach Normandin from Dirty Lemon. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. So to start out, what is Dirty Lemon? So Dirty Lemon is a functional beverage brand. Um, We sell our products uh, exclusively direct to consumer through a technology platform that we developed, um, which allows customers to place orders for our product uh, via text message. So that's the only way to buy our products. We don't sell in retail stores um, and we're, uh, we're not uh, utilizing any traditional distribution to, to build the brand. So how did you decide to make that your distribution? That's very unconventional. It's not just, uh, you know, you're not doing uh, the normal direct-to-consumer platform uh you're only doing it via text message. How did you decide to to that that would be sort of the most effective track for your business? So um, I've been in the food space for about ten years now, and um, after my last um, after my last company, uh, which we sold products into Target and Whole Foods and some of the bigger national retailers. Um, after that, uh, after that uh, company, uh, I sold it in two thousand thirteen. And I was starting to see um, brands like uh, Warby Parker and Casper, these you know companies that were coming up early on in the in the world of direct consumer. I started seeing them building their brands, and there was a, um, just a lot of excitement around this idea of connecting directly with consumers. And coming from a world where we had to, um, you know, in order to sell to consumers, we had to present to a buyer, and then the buyer would. Um, you know, would approve the product and they would put it onto store shelves, um, sometimes up to a year after we got that approval. Um, it was just a really appealing concept to me that, you know, we could potentially uh, connect in a more meaningful way 
um, directly with consumers. So um, in thinking through what I wanted to do next, um, I've always been fascinated by the beverage space and um, really started thinking through what a brand, uh, a beverage brand would look like direct to consumer. And, um, and uh, yeah, to complement that, uh, we knew that if we were selling a, a beverage uh, direct to consumer, we needed um, an easy way for customers to not only place orders for the product, but also be able to reorder very quickly. Um, and I looked and explored a lot of different um, potential ways to make that happen. We, we looked at, you know, an e-commerce or traditional e-commerce shopping cart, we looked at, a, you know, potentially an app um, that people would have to download. Um, and then I spent a lot of time researching China and um, uh, the platform that, uh, that WhatsApp has, has, uh, has built and, and how ubiquitous that has become um, in commerce in China. Were there businesses in China using this as a distribution tactic? It wasn't as much about distribution. It was more about the way that, uh, that, that people were utilizing the platform for commerce. So I was really interested in this idea of commerce by way of conversation. So being able to place an order for a product via a conversational interface and then have that product arrive to you uh, in short time without you having to think through any of the details. So, um, so effectively what we're doing with Dirty Lemon now is, you know, when you register to place an order for our products, um, you put in all of the normal stuff that you would uh, when, you're, when you're placing an order on a website. So it's, you know, your, um, your billing, your shipping, your billing address, your shipping address, uh, your credit card. Um, but then we also have you, uh, you know, you, you elect to put your phone number in. Um, and uh, that essentially connects your account to your, to your phone number. So when you text us and say, uh, hey, I w- I'd like a, a, a fresh order of Dirty Lemon, um, can I have two cases of, of collagen? Um, we know the system that we developed knows to pull up your account, and then it processes that order automatically for you without you having to do anything else. Or if you need to change your address or, or whatever you need to do, you can do that all through, uh, through text message. Um, and then the great thing about this is that we overnight uh, the product everywhere in the U.S. So it's one to two day air shipment to everywhere in the U.S. And we're actually testing out same day deliveries to a lot of major markets now. Um, so if you place an order, you're either getting it same day or next day in all major markets. So the cool thing about messaging is that it makes reordering ridiculously easy. But the tough thing is it probably adds a layer of complexity or a layer of friction in getting a customer if they can't. Uh, if, if, if a customer goes to your website, are they able to order or do they need to then see the phone number that they text and then go from there? Uh, so we developed, the, we developed the platform in a way that you can fill a shopping cart on our website. And then when you're ready to check out, it actually takes the items that are in your shopping cart and it puts them into a virtual shopping cart that, that then lives on your phone. So you could put, you know, a case of each one of our products into a cart and then you could enter your phone number at checkout. And it takes, if you're registered, it takes those items and it, um, it puts them, uh, it sends you a message confirming your order via text message. Um, so it allows you to utilize the convenience of, a, of an online shopping cart without, um, you know, without having to text in, I'd like one case of this, one case of that, one case of, you know, all of the products, if, you know, in the case that someone would, would, is ordering uh, one of each. Um, I mean, we're really trying to think through all of the ways that consumers would find friction in, uh, you know, in an e-commerce experience. And we're trying to eliminate or reduce those significantly 
um, to ultimately make the, the experience more immersive and valuable for the consumer. That's really clever. And and to rewind a little bit, uh, you mentioned that Dirty Lemon is a functional beverage company. Can you talk a little bit more about the products themselves? What are you know what are you best known for selling and um, and sort of take take me through what you make? Yeah, of course. So we launched originally with a with a charcoal beverage. Um, all of our products have uh, lemon juice, ocean minerals, and sea salt as the base. Um, and then in the case of our charcoal beverage, it, uh, it also has ginger, charcoal, and dandelion in, in that product specifically. And we saw such uh, great success early on with that beverage that um, we launched our collagen beverage, which is uh, collagen, cayenne, lemon juice, ocean minerals, and sea salt. So you can see that there was, there's starting to be a trend here where we're focusing on um, a, really, uh, a really nutritionally dense base, which is in the Lemon juice, ocean minerals, and the sea salt is, uh, is a natural form of electrolytes. And then we're adding a flavor and function profile on top of that that gives it added benefit. Um, so we now have seven beverages. We're launching our eighth beverage uh, later this month. Um, and we're actually launching a new beverage every month this year um, through the end of December. So um, we're focused on building a, a robust selection of products for um, for our customer base uh, that's focused on ingredients that they may have seen or heard about, but um, we're presenting them in a much more uh, convenient form factor um, that just makes it easy for, for convenient consumption on the go or you know wherever you may be enjoying the product. And how did you get into the food and beverage business originally? You mentioned you sold a company in 2013. How did you know take me through your path? So uh, I grew up in Massachusetts. I, um, I went directly from high school into the Coast Guard. So I was in the U.S. Coast Guard for four years. And um, I got an engineering degree in the Coast Guard. And I was um, working as an industrial designer after I got out of the Coast Guard. And um, I was also uh, a young dad. So I have, I have three children now. But at the time, I had two young daughters and I was shopping uh, in the grocery store uh, for products for them. So specifically in the baby aisle, I was buying, you know, snacks and, and you know, different products for the kids. And um, I ended up uh, in doing the industrial design work that I was doing. Um, I ended up just to make a little bit of money on the side. I ended up um, picking up some um, project based work for a couple of food companies, which I didn't have experience in, but I was uh, able to uh, take advantage of an opportunity to, to, to do a little bit of extra work on the side. And, um, anyways, that opened kind of, uh, my perspective to this world of, of building food products. Um, so I, uh, this was 2008, 2007, 2008. Um, I was, like I said, shopping for my kids and, uh, I really thought that there was a hole in the market for, an organic uh, kids' food company. Um, at the time, a lot of the the, the players that were um, that were selling uh, organic food products and, and subsequently ended up selling their companies. So it'd be Hanes or um, uh, Plum Organics and uh, Happy Baby and Ella's Kitchen. Um, you know, they hadn't sold their com- or they hadn't saturated their products into the natural channel yet, and they um, they were kind of like off of everyone's radar. So I thought it was a good time to start something and um, ended up launching uh, Little Duck Organics in 2008 and grew it 
resonated really, really well with consumers and ended up growing that to, um, to national distribution with Whole Foods and Target. And that's really where I learned the majority uh, that I know about the business was through that experience of, of building a company early on in the space um, at a time where there, there really wasn't that many food startups, which was like 2008, the early, or like, I guess it would be mid 2000s. It was just, it was still very early for food startups. Um, and yeah, very exciting time. And then you sold that um, and then take, so take me from then to now, how did you, how did you sort of wind that down or sort of move on from that? And then how did you start Dirty Lemon? Uh, so a private equity group uh, here in New York City ended up buying the company um, and they're still running it now. Uh, so that was in 2013. Um, I decided to start an agency very shortly after that. So I started um, an agency called Redwood and we were creating food products for entrepreneurs and also for, for larger brands. So um, ended up uh, doing that work for a couple of years and realized that um, that I was not um, cut out to be doing client work. I love the process of creating idea and then seeing that idea through. And unfortunately, as a client, um, that's it's very it's more transactional than that. Um, and I was always kind of using the relationships that I was building through Redwood to um, test out new concepts and. Um, I was fascinated by this this uh, this concept of HPP, which uh, which um, you know applies pressure to to beverages, and so started um, using a facility that we were working on, on another project uh, for to test out some uh, HPP beverages, and um, yeah, and that was that. It happened all like pretty organically, and um, I, I w- I'd say it wasn't until really a year into building Dirty Lemon as a brand that we really saw the full potential of the platform as, as an opportunity, the technology platform as an opportunity to, to disrupt beverage distribution, um, which is really our vision now. We're, we're building Dirty Lemon as a case study in, in a much bigger vision to, to disrupt the way that beverage products are distributed to consumers. Um, and we know that this is j- just a massive opportunity, I think, you know, the industry is, is dominated by much larger companies that, um, that are very out of touch with their consumers. And we have a, 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 an easier way to, um, to get products to consumers um, in uh, a more convenient way that, you know, that they find uh, more attractive and appealing because we have that direct relationship and that connection with them. And HPP, does that stand for high pressure packaging? Uh, pasteurization, yeah. High pressure pasteurization. Yeah, so that you're able to sort of maintain shelf life and still include good ingredients and things like that. Yeah, so uh, all of our products right now are HPP'd. It's a, so it's a, essentially a fresh, a fresh beverage. And, and the, the way that we ship products reflects that. So all of our products are cold chain uh, shipped. We ship, um, you know, in a refrigerated box with ice packs um, directly to consumers. So you're getting a product and when you open it up uh, out of the box, the bottle should be cold um, and you should be able to grab the bottle out and drink it right from there. Um, so it's a, it's a very premium the way that the product is presented to consumers and um, you know, the ingredients and the formulas that we're, um, that we're uh, creating are, um, are definitely, um, it's not a typical uh, beverage product. I think that there's a lot more thought and purpose going into each of the beverages that we're creating. How did you come up with the name Dirty Lemon? 
I wish I had a good story for you there. I, I you know, I think the simplest way to describe it is, you know, if you, if you, um, if you think of like a dirty martini, um, where you have a martini, which is mostly vodka or gin, and then you put, you know, either, uh, you know, pickle juice or, you know, or olives or whatever it might be inside of the martini. Um, we look at, you know, dirty lemon in the same way where the lemon base, uh, which is consistent with all of our products is that, you know, that base of, uh, lemon, ocean minerals, sea salt. And then what makes it quote dirty is, is the flavor and function profile that we, that we add to it. Um, so there's a consistent, um, theme or thread with all of our beverages, but, um, but yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the dirty part of it comes by way of, uh, the additional ingredients that we're adding to that. And, and how did you fund the business early on? Did you, did you bootstrap it off of your proceeds from your last business or did you raise capital or did you raise a small family and friends round? Yeah. So a little bit of both. Um, it was very much bootstrapped early on. And then we got to a place where, um, it made sense to involve, um, some strategic investors. So ended up raising, um, a, a small friends and family round, um, with a lot of investors that actually were old investors in, in Little Duck. Um, and I was very fortunate to have them come over and, and invest in, in Dirty Lemon as well. And um, yeah, and then since that early friends and family round, we've raised, um, we've raised uh, venture financing as well. Um, and yeah, so it's been a, a pretty traditional path, but um, we have without question the most, it's, a very humbling and uh, like incredible group of investors around the company. Um, people that I look up to in, in many ways. And um, I feel very fortunate to have uh, an incredible amount of support um, around this, the, you know, the vision that we're, that we're, uh, that we're pursuing. How far did you get between starting the business, deciding you're going to take this on full time, um, sort of incorporating, uh, bootstrapping for a while, and then deciding that you were ready to raise capital? What, what first? What year was that? Uh, that was 2015 when we launched. And then, how? What year did you raise, or how soon after that did you raise your friends and family round? Uh, it was pretty soon after that. I'd say 2015, probably early 2016, if not in 2015. I mean, we saw really early success with the brand, so it made sense. I mean, anyone who's built a company can attest to this. There's a point in building your brand or your company where you kind of have to say, all right, I'm going all in. And I think for a lot of people, that's when you take, when you take money. But I remember my first company, it was when I like maxed out three credit cards. I knew that like, I had no way of paying back those credit cards. And I knew that if I made the decision to, um, to max them out, then I just like, I had nothing. I, I had no other choice, but to, but to basically have what I was building be a success. And, um, I think that in looking back on with dirty lemon, um, you know, the, that very much happened for, it's like, it, it happened for us pretty early on, but it was because of the, it was because of the success of, of the initial success of the brand. And so you mentioned you were having some success early on. Where did you decide to go out and find customers? So we launched the brand on Instagram at a time um, that was very different than the Instagram that we all use and know now. Um, this was before Facebook changed the algorithm for Instagram. So our way of um, of growing uh, brand awareness around the company was 
um, was really just frequency of posts. So we, we figured, we figured out that, you know, if we posted, you know, six, eight, 10 times a day on, on Instagram, um, just by way of the chronological feed, we would basically get people at every moment throughout the day that they were checking their Instagram feed. Um, and this was really successful early on. And I, I think that there was a lot of people that were, that were utilizing this strategy, which is why, uh, Facebook ended up, uh, Facebook ended up changing the algorithm. Um, but fortunately for us, we were able to, um, to build a really strong following early on. Um, so it was very socially focused. We were sending products to friends of ours that had big, uh, Instagram followings and, um, and yeah, and then just uh, doing our best to create original content um, that featured the products and just build a compelling uh, narrative around the brand. Um, and that, you know, I think what was really appealing about the brand early on was that we were presenting um, this lifestyle of balance that, you know, a lot of uh, health and wellness brands have never presented to consumers. Um, usually most brands that are in the, the, um, the natural food space um, like presenting their brands in a way that is, is very out of touch with um, the way that the modern consumer lives. And, you know, we were okay with saying, um, you know, maybe you're going to have pizza tonight for dinner, but tomorrow morning you're going to go to SoulCycle and, um, you know, maybe you'll have a dirty lemon after SoulCycle and then, you know, you're going to uh, be drinking a glass of wine tomorrow night. But it's, you know, there's, it's all about balance and there's, there's no, um, you know, extreme life, lifestyle um, is, is never healthy. So, um, you know, we were, we were talking a lot about the ingredients and the power of the ingredients and, and, um, the fact that they have been, you know, proven in, uh, in the, uh, in the naturopathic space over a long period of time. And, um, and yeah, I think that that resonated, uh, really well with consumers. And once Instagram sort of shifted their timeline, what did you do to continue to grow? Well, this is the ongoing question. I mean, we we're testing new things all the time. I wish that there was a I wish that there was a, a roadmap for this type of business, but there really isn't. Um, we're really forced every single day to um, think through new ways to to expose the brand to new consumers, and I think that that um, you, you know that's forcing us to uh, you know to take risks and you know come up with just new strategies to to engage with consumers we need to always be creating new content um you know we have a retail space that we're opening this summer um called the drugstore um which is a which is a pop-up that we did last year and we're we're reopening it because we saw such success with it last year um you know things like that it's these are all very non-traditional ways for um, a beverage company to market their their products to consumers um, but these are, uh, the, you know, this is the way that the, the, the modern consumer wants to be communicated with. So, and, and, and speaking of, of taking risks, you recently, you were in the news for acquiring, uh, a weather app called Poncho. It doesn't seem like an, an obvious fit for a, for a beverage company. How did that come about? And, and what's your thinking? Why are you excited about Poncho? Yeah. So we're, we're extremely excited, uh, to announce our first acquisition, which is Poncho. Um, Poncho is without question the best uh, chatbot in the world. They actually won that award last year. Um, it was a Webby that they won. Uh, and yeah, they were building a, a weather service for millennials that um, allowed um, users to access the weather 
um, in the places that they were that they were spending the most time. So it was over text message and Facebook Messenger and uh, and uh, Slack and all these messaging platforms. And the reason why this was very appealing for us is because the um, you know the tech that they were building um, is foundation is foundational to uh, to our vision to be able to connect with consumers on a deeper level. So all of the same modules and infrastructure that they were building is very relevant to the company. And um, you know ultimately our you know we want to make sure that the our customers have the most immersive experience not only over text message but in in many other uh, you know messaging platforms or places where you know that where they're communicating with uh, with uh, friends and family and uh, and yeah, we, it, it just made a lot of sense. The, the team is incredible. Um, the success that they've had uh, to date is um, is incredible as well, and it just it made a lot of sense as a great fit um, for us to take uh, you know what they had built over the last three years and um, and incorporate it into the platform that we've been uh, that we've been developing, um, and it really builds it builds defensible tech in. Um, in our platform that uh, would be very hard to replicate. And we want to continue doing that. So we're looking to more acquisitions uh, in the tech space specifically um, and, uh, and a, a stronger team um, on the tech side of the business to support continued growth. And what's the breakdown sort of overall of the, of the team? Is it mostly marketing? Is it mostly design? Is it mostly um, sort of working on the, on the food, on the beverage itself? What's the... Uh, rough ratio breakdown. Uh, so Pancho has uh, four full-time developers. So we have an incredible development team now in-house. Um, there's uh, a graphic designer that joined our creative team from the Pancho team. Um, we have, and then they had a full editorial team. So um, on the editorial side, um, you know, they were creating uh, really engaging content every day to to. Um, keep their users connected to the service, and um, that's something that now we can um, we can leverage to connect on a deeper level with the Dirty Lemon customers. And what about on the Dirty Lemon team prior to Poncho? Uh, yeah, so our our team is split up. Um, we have kind of two divisions. So sales and marketing are in uh, in Los Angeles. Um, so our COO and uh, our ops team is out is out there, and they are working on everything from the point at which a customer places an order for the product through to when they receive it. Um, and in New York city, we have, um, our sales and marketing team. So our, our sole focus in New York city is demand creation and, um, and, uh, activations, uh, you know, really properly marketing the, the products and the brand to new consumers to, to build awareness and, and, uh, ultimately drive purchase. Um, so, and what about you, you personally, what does your day to day look like? Are you focused more on, uh, the marketing side or sort of creating partnerships or, um, coming up with, with the perfect ingredients for your next drink? What are the things that get you the most excited right now? Um, so the majority of my time is spent in strategy, fundraising, um, just business development in general. Um, we're fortunate to have an incredible, uh, COO in, in Los Angeles that manages all of the operations of the company. So, uh, ops and finance, like I said, is in LA. Um, Adam Loris runs, uh, the operations division of the company. So they're coming up with new formulas. 
Um, obviously, with a lot of um, a lot of feedback coming from the New York team, but the um, the majority of of really everything that's happening operationally with the company is coming out of LA, and then. Um, yeah, and then uh, we're focused on. I mean, we have just a lot of initiatives going on right now. There's it's a very busy time for the company, um, and yeah, my my time is spent. Uh, you know, I'm learning a lot. Like as a, as a CEO, I um, uh, I've I'm learning uh, to manage a growing company uh, at this size specifically. There's a lot of different challenges that um, that we weren't. Uh, you know, dealing with in, you know, even a year ago at this time, it was just a very different company. And um, yeah, it's a, it, it's very exciting, uh, you know, to, to be a part of something that's growing at the rate that we have. And we have, you know, certainly a lot of uh, very exciting things to look forward to. So um, generally just feel really lucky. What are, and what are the challenges you're facing right now? What are the things you're thinking about, or the things sort of keeping you up at night? Uh, it's just accountability, really, with, with employees and and with uh, with our partners. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that you know the we're we're ultimately dependent upon really strong people and partners to to you know to basically sell the things that we. Um, that we'd like to sell to consumers. So, you know, whether that's experience or the quality of the product or um, the speed at which the product is being delivered to the consumer, you know, those are, we're, we're relying, we're not, you know, driving the product to the consumer. That's, you know, our shipper and we're not um, producing the product. We have really good co-packers though that do that work. And we're not, um, you know, actually printing the labels. We have, you know, label manufacturers and bottle manufacturers that do that work. Um, but keeping everyone accountable to the highest quality and making sure that um, product quality is, is consistent um, across the millions of bottles that we're producing is, is, a, is a full-time effort. And, it's, and just making sure that everyone every day is thinking through the implications of whatever area that they're, uh, you know, whatever area of the company that they're responsible for, you know, the implications of, of profitability and revenue um, on the work that they're doing daily. Um, and I think that that is like a, a culture that we want to continue to build is just, you know, making progress and, and really staying accountable to the work that you're responsible for. And was there a moment um, over the last three years or so where you started to feel like, hey, this could really work? Was there a moment where you had some sort of positive validation and felt like, this is going to be a massive, massive business. Yeah, I, I've had that conviction for a long time. I think the, you know, the, we, there's no question in my mind that this is the future. What we're building represents a much larger transitional shift in the way that consumers want to engage with brands and the way that they want to receive the products that they want um, or that they, that they desire. Uh, I have a lot of conviction that what we're building is at the is at the early stages of a much bigger shift. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of work to do to make that happen. And also, we we don't the, this type of business has not been built yet. So we we are very much an early front runner in this movement. And I think that that um, there's a lot of responsibility on on us to to make sure that. Um, uh, you know, to see that happen or see, see this, this vision realized in a, in a meaningful way to investors and other companies. 
Um, yeah, so that's a lot of pressure. But to answer your question, I've I've had that conviction, you know, really since we first started. I we knew that what we were doing, even though it wasn't traditional, that there was um, an incredible amount of promise and opportunity, um, you know, behind this way of doing business. And are you starting to see competition pop up in this in the sort of messaging commerce space, or or specifically in the beverage messaging commerce space, or do you do you have a pretty healthy lead? Uh, there are no other beverage companies that are selling products via text message, and also no other consumer products companies that I know of. Um, and the reason why is because it is it is actually pretty technically um, complex just to build what we've built at the scale that we're that we're reaching consumers at. I mean, at any given moment, we're managing hundreds of conversations with consumers, um, and that takes a level of infrastructure that has taken us a few years now to build. Um, and that, that's the reason why that we're, we're doubling down on technology. Um, and, uh, you know, the Poncho acquisition is a piece of that. And, you know, there'll be a lot more, more to come in that area. And are there any new products or categories in the pipeline? You mentioned that this is going to become sort of more of a, of a platform and the product is starting to, is, it might be the first sort of feature of the platform. What, are you think, what direction could you see this going in the future? Uh, yeah, so we're planning uh, to, like I said before, to launch a, a product every month for the for the next year. But then we're also expanding um, to other form factors and beverage. So you know, looking at cans and um, you know other brand concepts uh, to to launch under under the platform that we've developed. Um, because we look at we look at Dirty Lemon as a successful case study in being able to sell this way to consumers and. Um, yeah, we, you know, there's there's a, a lot of excitement in knowing that we have the infrastructure to be able to take advantage of trends and launch brands that are more in line with, um, you know, the the preference of the modern consumer, um, which I think that that's changing very quickly all the time, and, uh, you know, we have the, we have the ability to. Um, you know, to react faster than any other brands that are that are relying on traditional distribution to sell their products. So, yeah, we're very excited. There's and a lot. There's a lot in the pipeline that um, that we'll be releasing in the next year. And what is some? Um, if you could go back in time and sort of talk to yourself in 2015, or or talk to yourself in 2008, 2009, when you were starting Little Duck, what what's some advice you would have for someone getting into the food and and bev space today? I would say don't. Don't start a business unless you're willing to lose everything in the process and like truly lose everything because this is it's way too hard. This is extremely challenging. I think that one of the biggest downfalls of our time is just this idea that the media portrays of entrepreneurship being this like really easy, sexy thing. And it's and it's very, very challenging. And um, I think that to that end, it's really important that, uh, you know, that if you're coming, if you want to start a beverage or any, any product, any CD company, um, just going into it, knowing that it's going to be a life changing endeavor and you need to be okay with, um, with, you know, the failure and success that comes with that and the work that you need to put in, which is significant. So great advice. And now we'll get into some, into some, uh, quick fun questions sort of the lightning round. So believe it or not, I have an ad read for you all. 
and it's a company I really like, Mgemi. Um, I have had them on the show. They make high quality Italian luxury shoes. Uh, they're great looking, they're very comfortable, and I can say this as a customer myself. So that's me establishing my credibility on this topic. M. Jemmy believes that handcrafted luxury deserves to be enjoyed by as many people as possible, not just a few. I happen to agree with that. They took matters into their own hands and kept everything they love about luxury, uh, the high quality materials, the world-class craftsmanship, the obsessive attention to detail, and they left behind the crazy markups and the middlemen and the ex exclusivity. Um, everyone, please go check out mjemmy.com and see what I'm talking about. Awesome options for both men and women. And you just know I'm about to sweeten up that deal. Hit them with that coupon code one time. If you like something on the site, which you certainly will, use the code Billy25 at checkout. That's Billy, my name, B-I-L-L-Y, and the number 25, and you'll get $25 off your purchase. They're basically giving it away at that point. If you want to learn more about the brand, now I'm turning this into a plug for my podcast, listen to the pod that I did with their CEO, Cheryl Kaplan, a couple months ago. It was great. You can go listen to that. You can hear all about MJemmy. Uh, but in the meantime, go to mjemmy.com and just buy a bunch of stuff. What are you going to go there and not buy a bunch of stuff? I think, I don't know if that makes any sense. I feel like you might be better off going to mjemmy.com and buying stuff and then using the coupon code Billy25 when you check out. That's just me. And the word I'm saying is mjemmy. Uh, I know M's and N's sound very similar. So it's uh, M as in mother, G-E-M as in mother again, I.com. Uh, and just like, you know, you're going to love the stuff. It's comfortable. It's very well made. Uh, I wear the shoes all the time. And, you know, that's that. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the pod. Uh, if you could choose anyone in the world to represent Dirty Lemon, who would it be and why? It's mm, a very good question. I don't know if I'm going to have a lightning answer for you. I need to, I need to think. That's um, all right. Anyone in the world to represent Dirty Lemon? Um, like you get a Super Bowl ad, you get someone for 30 seconds to talk about how great the brand is. Probably someone who's very aligned with the brand. Who would that be? Um, I mean, right... Uh, I don't know. I know that whatever I say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be held to. Um, I think that I, so I'm going to give you a non-traditional answer. It's not going to answer your question, but, um, okay. I think that influence is very transient. I think that there's a lot of, it's very, it's very challenging. Like we, we've always said that we don't want to like hang our hat on one person. We want to be more about the lifestyle. So I think it would be, it would probably be someone that doesn't really have like a, a celebrity name. I would, I would love to have like the influencer that, um, you know, is influential in their circles and is, uh, you know, is we want to have the modern consumer. We want to have someone that cares about balance. They don't mind going out one night, but then, you know, the next day kind of resetting and, um, you know, that's, that's our, that's our consumer and that's who we would want representing the brand. And I think that that, that person takes many shapes and, and, and faces. 
Um, but that's ultimately like who I would prefer to have representing the company. Sorry, that was okay. No, that was I'll, I'll accept the answer. But. That's all right. I'll accept it. Uh, if if you weren't slanging functional beverages, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a much easier question. Um, I would I <laughs> I would be. Uh, I think when I'm done with this, I want to I want to. Um, well, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an architect, but I've always been fascinated by magic. So maybe I'd be a magician. Do you know any tricks right now? I don't, but I want to learn some. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like that's one of those things that it's always good to sort of have up your sleeve. Not um, really, it's, not really, it's, it's not really a career path, though. It seems like a great retirement gig. Great one. Yeah. Uh, and it might bring us into the next question. Any skills or hobbies that most people don't know about? Skills or hobbies? Um, oh God, I wish I did have a good magic trick. Um, I would say that I am utilizing my best skills and talents in this business right now. I am, I'm good at storytelling. I, I, I love creating things. I love coming up with ideas. That's without question, like my biggest, my biggest skill. I'm really bad at a lot of other things like time management and a lot of other things, but, um, but I'm really good at coming up with ideas and I'm really good at executing on them fast. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my, uh, my, my, my hidden talent. That's all. That's actually not hidden at all. And do you, what's on your bucket list? Uh, I want to just travel more with my children. I have three beautiful children and, um, I've spent uh, a good deal of their lives building this company and, um, I'd like to get back to a place where I, we can, um, travel more. I mean, we have, they have a wonderful life, but I want to be able to travel more with them and really, um, and really, um, start to enjoy, uh, just more of their lives. And I, I've, I mean, this is, uh, very much, you know, we started this company in 2015. I think that, you know, uh, the last few years have been, have been hard because building companies is, you know, that's just the way that it is. But yeah, I'd like to travel more with my kids. That's, that's the, that's the biggest thing on my bucket list. Okay. So tomorrow board says, all right, Zach, you're working too hard. You need to take two weeks off now, go with your kids, travel somewhere. Where are you going? Uh, we go to, uh, my daughters really want to go to Paris. So we'll go to Paris and then I'd want to take them somewhere really unique, like Asia, probably maybe we go to J like Japan, somewhere safe in Asia. So just, to, just to have them see a different culture, which I think is the most valuable thing for children. I mean, I, I feel really lucky that my kids have been, uh, you know, exposed to New York city because I think even for adults, New York is a very, um, is a very eye-opening experience when you when you come here for the first time, and I think as a child to see New York City is um, is an incredible thing. So similarly, I think it would be really cool for them to experience a totally foreign culture, um, not like France, but like Asia is is very fa is fascinating to me. So, okay, last question: Is there anything you want to plug? At it's at Dirty Lemon on Instagram, right? So at Dirty Lemon on Instagram, um, yeah, DirtyLemon.com. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm Zach Normandin on, on Instagram and Twitter and yeah, just very much appreciate the opportunity to share our story. I know that, um, uh, you have a lot of people that you could talk to, so we appreciate the, the time and, and the opportunity. 
Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And you said the the uh, non-alcoholic cocktail bar that you're opening, the drugstore, where is that going to be? So it's going to be in Tribeca and it's opening next month. Um, so we're doing a full ground floor build out right now of a space that um, has never been anything before. Um, and that's happening in Tribeca. And it's an absolutely gorgeous space. We're, we're very, very excited. Going back to just um, the things that are challenging, you know, we've, this is without question our most um, ambitious endeavor. I mean, other than building a beverage, from a marketing standpoint, this is the most ambitious thing that we've done. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's very exciting to kind of like come up with an idea and then really start to execute on it. I think the end result of this is going to be um, something that we can all be proud of, which I'm, I'm super excited for. So if anyone's listening uh, is in New York City over the summer, you need to stop by the drugstore. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll have more information coming on that soon. Sounds awesome. I will definitely be doing that next time I'm in New York City, which is hopefully sometime this summer. And yeah, thank you, Zach, so much for coming on. This was uh, this was great. And I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you very much.